Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Avatar the Podcast.、Mm-hmm. We are your hosts, Acorn Bandit and Booster Greg. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the criest episode. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> the、so、most、far. emotional and snotty episode of the show.、Mm-hmm. I'm not crying. It was just raining on my face a little bit. That's all. That's all. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think I like, you know, snorted some like onion juice or something. <laughs> I don't know. We are, of course, talking about book two, chapter 16, Appa's Lost Days, or as we like to call it, Invisible Strings. Thank you, Guru Patik.、Mm-hmm. This episode was written by Elizabeth Welch Ehas and directed by Giancarlo Volpe. And this episode opens four weeks before our current events that we covered in last episode. We find ourselves in the desert outside the sinking library of Wan Shi Tong. Sandbenders have arrived to capture Appa, and Toph has her hands full with the sinking library and cannot help him. The sandbenders throw bolas over Appa and around his limbs to keep him grounded. He fights back as best as he can, but there are just too many sandbenders and too many ropes pulling him to the ground. The sandbenders overtake him and he is dragged away. Hearing all of this happening, Toph says sadly, I'm sorry, Appa, as she holds the library up. I hate this. I do too. I understand that they had to have this part in it because, you know, it's like reminding us what happened and like showing us from Appa's perspective. But、mm-hmm. like, I just hate this scene so much. It's actually a really good example of amazing writing. Yes, I agree. Because、yeah. they, they write characters that A, you hate、mm-hmm. and B, you get super emotional about. Yeah. Like watching Appa, who up until this point has just been a given, like he is always there. He's part of the team. He's always going to be there. He's Aang's best buddy. You separate him from the rest of the team. And that in itself is an emotional ride. But、mm-hmm. then you add in like the cruelty and the, the stealing and wanting to sell Appa for a profit. Like those are all just so despicable. And so it makes you immediately bought into the story and what's going to happen next. For sure. Yeah. I do want to point out in the scene where they're taking or trying to capture Appa, there's a moment where a few of them use that same ground move that Katara used in the Northern Water Tribe City. I noticed that. Where、yeah. they like, yeah, they like twist their feet and the sand goes up their legs and almost anchors them in place. Yeah. It was really cool to see that. The sandbenders stop after they've taken Appa so they can ransack his saddle. And even though he's tied up, he still manages to destroy one of their sand sailors. We find out from the leader of the group, Gashwin, that the sailor was stolen from another tribe. So its destruction isn't much of a loss. They don't find anything of worth in Appa's saddle and move on to sell Appa to another desert people group, the beetle headed merchants.、Mm-hmm. And that's the sailor that Toph stubs her toe on. Yeah, exactly. So it goes into this big sand dune, and it was cool to think well, they're in a desert and the sands are constantly shifting.、Mm-hmm. So, what it went into the side of a sand dune, and later it becomes the top of the sand dune because the team is walking across it、yep. in that later episode. The desert is just always shifting and always moving、mm-hmm. and rearranging. And I think the only constant was really the library at that point, and now that's not、mm-hmm. even true. And、that's probably why Professor Zay got lost so much as well. Yeah, because you go in and it's just the same landscape all over the place.、Yep. You can use the 
constellations and, you know, all the different forms of travel as much as you can. But yeah. when you're trying to find a sunken library, it's a little, little difficult to find Very that fair. in the midst of all the sand dunes. I do want to mention the beetle-headed merchants here because we talked about them briefly when we first got to the desert uh, many episodes ago. They are a group of merchants who are a desert-dwelling people, and they actually predate all the other tribes in the Siwang Desert. Legends suggest that their beetle-like headpieces date back to ancient times when their ancestors lived underground and survived the attacks of giant gelicorns by mimicking the appearance of the distasteful sour beetles, the only creatures on the desert floor not palatable to gelicorns. More mole people. More mole people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really do love the the desert dwelling people that they've written into this show. We've talked about the real world connections to the Sandbender tribes, yep. but I think this is really cool. We only see the beetle headed merchants, what, like twice in the whole series? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Sounds about right. I don't remember seeing them again. And yet they have this rich backstory, which Come to find out, we might see again in the comics now that I'm thinking about mm -hmm. it. But just, again, I appreciate the world building. Yeah. And um, speaking of world building or maybe continuity, when they're ransacking Appa's saddle, we see the umbrella that was from the comm man, is what I think we called him, back in the fortune teller episode. Yeah. The one they meet in the forest yep. dodging the platypus bear attacks. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. That I love funny. that. Yeah. They make a point to like the to like showcase it too, where they're, they they mm -hmm. like open it up and it does a little like jingle or something. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. One of the sandbenders opens it and is like, oh, umbrella. <laughs> and Geshman's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop that. After inspecting Appa, the beetle headed merchants pay Gashwin and his people for the creature and make preparations to take the bison to Ba Sing Se, where they hope to sell him for a fortune. Appa is loaded into a sand trailer of sorts, still tied down with ropes. In the distance, Aang flies above the desert sands in search of Appa. When the young avatar blows into a sky bison whistle, Appa hears it and tries to escape. He rocks the trailer back and forth until his tail is freed and then begins flying away with airbending. The beetle-headed merchants use spit darts loaded with shearshoe venom to knock Appa out of the sky. As he is losing consciousness, he sees the mushroom cloud that Aang created in his fit of rage in the distance. The first instance in this episode where I'm like, if only something different had happened, then they'd be together. Exactly. If only Appa didn't try to freak out and fly away that first time and waited for the sand cloud, then he could mm -hmm. have bended his own sand cloud and the Aang would have seen that. In like answer. Exactly. Yeah. I know. It's like this whole episode is just a story about missed opportunities yeah. being one step behind all of the what ifs and if if onlys yeah i know it's terrible yeah. when appa wakes he is in a cage a soft-spoken fire nation man is talking to him seemingly relating to appa's plight but then assures the bison he won't need to worry about anything anymore because this man is going to break him in the next scene we learn that appa has been sold to the fire nation circus the giant red tents are set up on the edge of the Siwang Desert, and inside are many exotic creatures, though maybe none so rare and exotic as Appa. 
The animal tamer brings a cart of cabbages around to the other caged animals and uses the food as a lesson to Appa by saying Appa won't receive any food until it is earned. The circus trainer is voiced by Dwight Schultz, who I don't recognize, but any Star Trek fans out there, mostly Rob Logan, will (laughs) be happy to know that he played Lieutenant Barclay from Star Trek The Next Generation. He's also in Star Trek First Contact and... Star Trek Voyager, as well as we have another Ben 10 connection right here. He voiced Dr. Animo. So that was really cool. Another Ben 10 connection. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Mm -hmm. The animal tamer releases a lion vulture to use as an example. Using a fire whip, the animal tamer forces the lion vulture to fly through a series of rings hanging from the ceiling, as he has obviously been trained to do in the past. But while the animal trainer is distracted, Appa uses his great lung capacity to suck individual cabbages from the nearby cart into his mouth. By the time the animal trainer turns around, Appa has eaten enough to burp in his face. I love that. He's like, you're not going to get this. I'm going to make you earn it. And Appa's like, uh, no, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> just just keep being distracted for a while yeah. longer while I eat. Show me what I should be doing to eat. I'm just going to eat. <laughs> yeah. Infuriated, the animal tamer uses his fire whip to set the ground in front of Appa's cage on fire. It's obvious that whoever your previous owner was, he had no idea how to handle you properly. Yikes. Mm. So callback actually to the wind buffalo fun fact from Return to Amashu mm-hmm. when we discussed the circus in the first place with Ty Lee's scenes. Yeah. Yeah, so it was famous for a time for its exotic animals, including its wind buffalo, which appeared for exactly one show. (laughs) Yep, yep, yeah. So that was right. I I like that connection that this is Ty Lee's circus. Yeah, because we see the same ringleader that we saw in her episode, uh, Shizumu. Yes, and um, the circus master is what the wiki called them, but is voiced by mm-hmm. Robert, Robin Ackendowns, who we also saw as Azula's ship captain. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Oh, he did both voices? Yes, yeah. So he, he, this is like another just additional voice that he did, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. I also learned that Appa's Lost Days won a Humane Society Genesis Award for its depiction of animal cruelty in the Fire Nation Circus. So not only was this a really effectively poignant storyline with Appa being missing and going through all of this hard time, but it was also kind of a commentary for the way that we treat animals in our world. So I thought that was a cool little detail that it won an award for. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it really makes you feel for animals that go through that kind of treatment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That evening, the circus hosts a performance in a Fire Nation town. The red tent and circus grounds are lit up with lanterns and tinny circus music sets a welcoming tone of fun. In the animal tent, Appa attempts to suck a bale of hay closer to his cage in order to eat it. A young Fire Nation boy sees this as he passes the open flap and is intrigued by the great animal. The boy's father tells him he's going to go buy a bag of sizzle crisps and instructs him to stay put, behave himself, and stay away from that monster or he'll regret it. What do you think? Fire flakes or sizzle crisps? <laughs> Um, that is really tough because (laughs) sizzle crisps, like fire flakes, are a really popular treat in the Fire Nation. I read that they have a distinct crispy bacon-like taste and are, of course, spicy hot, just like Mm -hmm. every other food in the Fire Nation. 
And um, because of their bacony taste, they're thought to be made from meat. But apparently from the old Nickelodeon website, there was a theory among some that they also had vegetable based crisps made from rice, soy and nuts. So just by that description alone, bacon, it's crispy. I think fire flakes. I would prefer fire flakes more. They sound more like chip like or popcorn like yeah see i was my initial reaction was fire flakes as well but now that you said bacony taste i feel like maybe the sizzle crisps i don't know oh yeah <laughs> i feel like i don't know I'm, I'm getting very hungry though so now i want bacon I know, same um but yeah really quickly to this little boy this little kid um they yeah. never actually give him a name or a credit but i did notice that Zach Tyler Eisen, I think that's how you say it, the voice of Aang, mm-hmm. is also credited in this episode as additional voices. So I'm pretty sure I'm like, like I would go put $100 on the fact that this little kid is also voiced by the voice actor who does Aang. I could definitely see that. Because yeah. of the connection that is like made literally in your next paragraph. That exactly. Does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, regarding the the snacks, all I can say is if you can find a recipe for sizzle crisps, I will make a bowl of fire flakes and we can share. Ooh, I really want it now, though. <laughs> we'll get some of those. What? Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Yeah. Flamin' Hot Cheetos or whatever those other chips that you had last episode. Oh, the Takis. Yeah, those two. Takis. Yes. Yes. Now, come August 2021. Mm hmm. We might be able to make Fire Flakes for real, because if you hadn't heard, our dear listeners, there is an official Avatar cookbook that's coming out this year. I can't wait for that. I am so psyched. If this is your first time hearing about it, we tweeted it a couple months ago on our Twitter. You can Google it, though. It has a listing on Amazon. It has some product photos, and it actually has a picture of all of the nation foods. So Mm. I cannot wait. I smell a food cooking series coming on, Greg. Get prepared. Get your kitchen ready. I smell a new segment when we're covering Cora coming on. Uh-huh. Or possibly book go. three. Possibly book three. Probably book three. Probably I think book that, three. Yeah. yeah. I cannot wait. I know. But getting back to our story, this little boy did not heed his father's warning. He runs into the tent and flips the hay bale over to Appa, who gives the boy a thankful lick. The boy runs off when he hears someone approaching. And at that moment, the animal trainer and Shizumu, the ringleader we last saw at Tai Lee's performance, walk into the tent discussing Appa. The animal trainer is advising Shizumu that the wind buffalo is not ready, but Shizumu insists that Appa will perform that evening. After Shizumu leaves, the animal trainer again threatens Appa with fire, telling him if he doesn't behave himself, he'll live to regret it. Words that echoed what the Fire Nation man said to the young boy a moment earlier. Mm. That boy peers into the tent at Appa, obviously very fond of his new friend already. Later, the show is well underway when the ringleader introduces their new attraction. A noble beast so magnificent and rare it hasn't been seen by human eyes in generations. I give you the wind buffalo. The curtain drops and we see Appa dressed in a garish costume of red and gold grassy robes and clownish face paint. So weird. It kind of reminds me of a Chinese dragon. That's what I was thinking too, yeah. Yeah, those costumes that a lot of people wear for like festivals and and stuff, but it it is a little clownish. It's a little (laughs) out there. Yeah. The animal trainer attempts to get him to fly, but Appa paces and turns around instead causing the audience to laugh and the animal trainer to become angry. 
The trainer uses his fire whip to force Appa into the air, and the sky bison flies through two hoops before knocking down the third. When he lands, he looks at the Fire Nation boy and is reminded of Aang. The boy smiles at him and says, Go, you can do it. Appa knocks the animal trainer aside and flies out of the tent, shedding his circus costume in the process. I really like when the boy and his father are sitting in the audience. The father's just like mowing on his snack. And the kid's <laughs> yeah. just like, can I have one? And he just like turns his body and he's just like, looking like no. Yeah, he like holds it out in front of him so his son yeah. can't reach. It's like, wow, dad of the year here. What a crappy dad. Jeez. <laughs> that actually made me sad to yeah. see when Appa escapes because the boy has a similar relationship with his dad as we've seen because his dad threatens him and yeah. is like, do what I tell you. Otherwise, you're going to get it. Yeah. And the boy encouraged Appa to fly away, but he's still stuck in his situation. Makes me sad. He can't find the strength. Or he's too young, yeah, honestly. He's too young, yeah. He can't get out of that. So he's living like vicariously at that point through Alpha and his ability to fly away. Yeah, encouraging someone in a similar situation. And the yeah. fact that Appa can fly away, which is what I would imagine, like he wishes he could just literally just fly and take off. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so heartbreaking. I know. Appa flies all the way to the desert, to the place where the library sunk under the shifting sands. He lands in the crater that was created in its sinking and paws helplessly at the ground. There's no sign of Aang or his friends. He bellows in frustration at the sky and then collapses in the sand, worn and lost. That was so sad, too. And also, like, another thought went through my head. Why did no one think to go back where they last saw Appa? I guess because they thought he was well and truly taken. Like, he wouldn't be able to get out of whatever situation. Also, it's the desert. Like, it's not the easiest just to go back and hang out and wait for a bison to appear. But they have, like, so many allies at this point. They can't put one on Appa duty. Just be like, <laughs> right? here, go here. This is where, like, you need to be generally. Just wait here for a bit and just make sure they get supply. I don't know. I was just, like, so aggravated because yeah. for me, if something's lost, like, you should always go back to the point where you lost it if you're, like, losing hope. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. To your point, though, or at least even have a system like a telephone game where... Mm -hmm. If anyone notices anything, they'll send the message along until it can get to Aang. Right, right. And yeah, only a couple characters actually notice Appa later, or like three, I guess, specifically. But like, mm -hmm. yeah, I was just so aggravated when he goes back to the library. And as far as Appa knows, they're all down there. That, I think, is why he was pawing at the same. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to dig them out. Which is heartbreaking. I know. I just want to know. I told you this, Acorn, but I want to let everyone know that I was holding my dog, Rusty throughout this entire episode. Mm -hmm. My other dog, Pippin, didn't want to be near me. Well, we, she doesn't watch <laughs> cartoons with me. If you follow my Twitter, you'll probably see every once in a while I throw like little pictures of Rusty like sitting with me watching an Avatar yeah. episode. Um, but I was just like, oh, buddy. Come here. Come here. I know. I definitely smushed my dog, Dakota, yeah. after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, what, mom? What get are off you doing? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Over the next few days, Appa continues to fly through the desert in search of his friends, stopping for food wherever he can find it, though his efforts end up fruitless. An egg he found sitting in an unguarded nest was stolen out from under him by a gilicorn, and a cactus that was being inspected by a jackalope turned out to be too thorny for a snack. And here's the gilicorn that was mentioned earlier with the beetle-headed merchants. Mm. The gilicorn is a small poisonous lizard-like creature that scavenges the Siwang Desert looking for food. Long before Aang's time, gilicorns were equipped with a whimsical but deadly unicorn horn. 
In more modern times, it walks on its back leg like a basilisk lizard or a mongoose lizard. Mm. And it's known to be the nanny goats of the desert, basically the goats that will eat pretty much anything. The only thing they don't eat, and this again relates to the beetle-headed merchants, is the sour beetle. Part of its namesake is the Gila monster in our world. But unlike its real-world counterpart, the Gila corn is somewhat smaller and faster. Mm. Also, the jackalope. I thought that was really interesting because the jackalope, if, if anyone is not aware, it's a mythological animal in our world. And it's a hybrid animal because it's this cross between a hare and like, I don't know, a deer or something, whatever has horns. Antelope. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Antelope, obviously, because of its name. <laughs> <laughs> jackalope, jackrabbit and antelope. Thanks, Greg. You're welcome. But I just think it's cool because it's it's your easy hybrid animal that already exists, right? So it's like a nice little nod to yeah. the jackalope, which is actually a legendary creature of North American folklore. Hmm. Growing more tired and frustrated, Appa keeps flying. His nose eventually leads him to a great rock with a series of cave openings in its top. Venturing into one of these caves, he finds the sticky yellow substance that smelled like food, which also smelled like food to Sokka mm-hmm. because Sokka tried to eat it mm-hmm. too. The visit is short-lived, however, because a swarm of vulture buzzards attack him and he must fly away. Starving and desperate, he lands and licks some of the sticky goo off of his paws before lying still to rest. I do just want to point out that this episode is about the invisible threads that connect Appa and Aang. But there is mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a coincidence here that I cannot overlook, and that's Appa tried to eat slash drink things in the same order as Sokka. Yep. Which we've established (laughs) they have a very special relationship themselves. So that was very touching for me. Mm -hmm. More time passes until Appa finally reaches the edge of the desert and enters a wooded landscape. He soon finds a farm and helps himself to a pile of hay and water from its barn. Finally out of the sun and sheltered for the first time since leaving the circus, he falls into a deep sleep and dreams of home. He dreams about the first time he met Aang at the Eastern Air Temple when they were both very young. Each of the airbenders were given an apple and told to choose an air bison wisely because they will become a companion for life. Aang gave Appa his apple and the two became instant friends. I guess this means we'll always be together, Aang says in the dream. Far, far away on the serpent's pass, Aang turns over on his bedroll and smiles because he's dreaming the same dream. Always, he says. I'm going to cry. That got cry me. Cry right now. <laughs> really bad. It's like, yep. oh man, just add insult to injury at this point. Like, it's bad enough that they're separated, but now like you're telling me that they're, they're connected to their dreams. So they're dreaming that they're together mm-hmm. and then they wake up and they're separated. Like. That um for me is reminiscent when my childhood dog died and like it was like very heartbreaking. It was super sad and I still get like a little like choked up about it even now. But like I had a dream with him in it and then I woke up and he wasn't there because he was dead and it was just like another like gut punch. And it took me like an extra 30 minutes at least to get out of bed that morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's what it kind of reminded me of. I've had dreams where I lose my dog and I wake up like actually sobbing like it's the weirdest feeling to wake up from a really emotional dream and to be in your physical body and the emotions just sweep over you and all of a sudden you're like crying or panicked or scared or whatever it is yep yeah it's awful 
Also, I do have to point out the word always here. Mm-hmm. Always is used in so many different fandoms. It's like it's become almost this magical word. If anyone else is a Harry Potter fan or a Hunger Games fan or many, many others, the word always is used in a very special emotional way. So mm. I love that it's used here in Avatar as well. Yeah. Another reminder, since we've seen the Eastern Air Temple in Appa's Dream, just want to remind everybody that the Northern and Southern Air Temples were run by the monks, while the Western and Eastern Air Temples were run by nuns. The Eastern Air Temple is also Brian's favorite, and I remember reading that air nomad children are brought over to different temples depending on what's going on. So I think the sky bison were kept at the Eastern Air Temple as one of the temples. And so they would go over for the bonding ceremony like we saw in the dream. Mm. Back in our story, Appa is woken by a farmer holding a pitchfork. The sky bison has been discovered and the humans who own the farm are afraid of him. The farmer's wife holds a flaming torch above her head for light, and Appa, now afraid of fire due to his time with the animal tamer, rears up and backs into the barn, damaging the wall before flying out straight through the roof. Now he's like not only afraid of going underground, he's also afraid of fire. So that's two out of four elements in which he's afraid of. Yeah, let's just further traumatize our favorite Sky Bison friend. Thanks, everyone. And he's like becoming unrecognizable too, because like he's not being cleaned by Sokka anymore. He's just on his own trying to survive. He's malnourished. He's tired. Like, ugh. I know. It is awful. He's probably all sticky still. Oh, yeah. Sticky and dirty because dirt got all over that yellow gooey Uh, stuff from the caves. Yeah. Poor pal. He's a mess. Yeah. Appa's path now takes him directly over the Serpent's Pass. Iroh spots him in the sky from the refugee boat. Zuko, when awakened by his uncle's reaction, asks him what's going on, but Iroh decides not to tell him about seeing the Avatar's bison. Instead, he tells his nephew to go back to sleep. Yeah, I do want to say really quickly before you move, I like um, I like Iroh's expression where he's like, <laughs> he sees Appa and he's like, oh, no, not now. What are you doing? Yeah. And Zuko's like, what is it? He goes, nothing. Just go to bed. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> nothing. I swear. Go to bed. It's fine. It's all fine. Everything's fine. I do think that if he wasn't credited as additional voices, but that didn't sound like Mako to me. I think that was no, Greg Baldwin. No, it didn't, right? I think that was Greg yeah. Baldwin. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. If anyone else thinks that too, let us know. Make sure we're not crazy. Appa continues to fly, eventually crash landing in the middle of a forest before an abandoned stone tunnel. Exhausted and hungry, he nibbles on some grass and prepares to rest for the night. Just then, a porcupine comes charging out of the passage. Greg, this is serious. I love its name so much. It's a porcupine. Yeah, porcupine. It's so good. I'm sorry. Okay, back to serious, but it's so funny. The porcupine comes charging out of the passage, squealing loudly at the intrusion. The animal tackles Appa and the two go tumbling down the hillside. Appa manages to fight off the boar, first with a fallen tree, and then by swinging the animal into the forest. With the porcupine gone, he claims the ruin as his own, but he is badly hurt, dirty, and worn. Yeah, he's just like, ugh, those things sticking out of him. He got stuck with so many quills. I know. He takes one out and he screams almost like he like Mm -hmm. in pain. Oh, no. He sleeps in the tunnel for days, not having the energy or heart to travel anymore. He's thankfully found by Suki, 
still stuck with quills from the porcupine and matted with dirt. She leaves him some food and comes back later with the other Kyoshi warriors to help clean him up. Appa is distrustful at first, but eventually grateful for the help and kindness. Just as they're finishing up, and Appa, by the way, looks like a totally new bison. He's squeaky clean, happy. He's basically like wagging his tail. He's just so happy to feel better. As they're finishing up, however, Azula, Mei, and Tai Lee arrive on their mongoose lizards, still pursuing the Avatar. The Kyoshi warriors defend Appa, but Azula and her friends are far more formidable opponents than they had faced before and soon have the upper hand against the warriors. Appa turns back to help, but Suki grabs a burning branch and uses it to scare him off, insisting that he go find Aang. Still frightened by the fire, Appa flies off while Suki turns and engages Azula in combat. They also use this effect here that they used in the City of Wallen Secrets where Zuko and Jet were fighting and it almost like freeze frames. Yeah. They're launching into battle and then it freezes and kind of goes like sepia colored. They use the same technique here. Interesting choice to use it here, though, because like I feel like they didn't need to. I agree. With that last episode, it was understandable because they're like, all right, we're cutting this short. That's it. But this one is like. Our focus isn't on that fight, so it's only natural that we would go with Appa when he takes off. Mm-hmm. Also, Azula being like, I found you twice using the same method. Like, how has my brother <laughs> yeah. not caught you yet? That's hilarious. <laughs> that made me laugh. Appa flies towards the only place that feels right to him, the Eastern Air Temple, home. Along the way, he passes over a group of Water Tribe ships, and Katara's and Sokka's father, Hakoda, sees him. When Appa arrives, he wanders the temple and remembers his early days when he used to play with his siblings as a calf. He eventually stumbles upon an old man who, at first, appears to be a monk, possibly even Aang. Appa happily tackles him and licks his face, only to find out that the man he was so excited to see is not an Arab nomad, but a guru. He backs away and growls. The man introduces himself as Guru Patik and tells Appa that he understands he is not the person Appa expected. When Appa isn't moved and remains hostile towards the man, the guru simply lies back down. Throughout that day and night, whenever the man would open his eyes or lift his head to check on Appa, Appa would growl, and each time, the man would simply lie back down. I love Guru Patik. I do too. He's one of my favorites. There's nothing to dislike about this man he's also voiced by brian george who has been Mm -hmm. in like seinfeld the movie keeping the faith batman beyond superman the animated series justice league kim possible and big bang theory oh wow yeah i always think he's in like other things that like really popped out as a prominent role but i think he's just one of those actors that i've just seen in so many things and heard in so many things that i just look at him like oh yeah it's that guy that's so cool yeah Yeah, i love guru patik i mean even just his immediate respect for this other living being and being like okay you don't like me that's fine i'll just lie here i can wait yeah his patience (laughs) is just like ridiculous like he just like exists he looks over sees appa still growling he's like all right fine i can i can do this for an indefinite amount of time like i got Mm -hmm. i got literally my whole life how long do you have (laughs) yeah it's so good and he's so respectful like you said like he's just a good person yeah yeah Finally, after night has settled and Appa has fallen asleep, the guru hops up and approaches Appa to read his energy. It becomes readily apparent that Appa has been through a lot in a very short time, and yet he is still filled with love underneath all the fear that has moved in where his trust should be. 
The guru murmurs to himself and to the sleeping bison that he once had a vision many years ago that he would help the avatar. And so he came to this temple in order to find Aang. He leaves Appa to rest, placing his hand on the bison's forehead and telling him to let the clouds in his mind become gentle, peaceful ones. The next morning, Appa wakes up to find fruit lying on the ground in front of him. The fruit forms a small trail, and after following it through the temple, he finds Guru Patik sitting on a stone platform surrounded by small forest animals. The Guru greets Appa and teases him a little bit about having bedhead. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> he does, and he like shakes his head like, oh, don't look at it. After the Guru's patience and kindness, Appa doesn't have a reason to distrust him anymore. He remains close the rest of the day and finally lies next to him that evening. This is when the guru asks if he can attach a message he wrote to Aang to Appa's horn. You and the avatar's energies are mixed. You have an unbreakable bond. By reading your energy, I can sense where Aang is. Upon hearing this, Appa licks Guru Patik in excitement. Funny what invisible strings connect us all, the guru says. He places his hand on Appa's forehead and senses where Aang is, Ba Sing Se. Appa now has a destination. How long do you think Guru Patik was waiting? He says many years. I'm thinking decades. It made me wonder too. I got the sense of like at least five years. I, yeah, I got like a vet. Like he says a few years and like he plays it off as kind of like two years, maybe three. Yeah. But I feel like it's much longer than that. I don't know. Like his beard kind of like, I have no reason to believe that he didn't have that beard before. But like that for me is the indication of how long he's been there and like how skinny yeah. he is. Like he's he's very like interesting character design because he's very thin, but he's very muscular and toned as well. Mm -hmm. So which is if we look at real world examples, holy men or very spiritual men in India, like gurus mm. or people like that, they tend to have that body shape because a lot of their time is spent in meditation, yeah. in yoga practice, study. They're very focused on enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And I'm paraphrasing here. I haven't studied this, but yeah. they tend to live a very simple lifestyle where it's not so much filled with belongings and material possessions. And they kind of eat what they need to to survive and focus on other things so yeah i think it's a very like iconic Fair. design yeah yeah but he's just a great character and like he introduces this interesting or not introduces but he reinforces this idea that we had from the swamp mm -hmm. because i don't know for me i think we even said it during the that write-up where i think it was like so we said something like oh he uses his avatar powers and just like finds Appa and Momo. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's not. It's it's he's tapping into that invisible thread that Guru Patik has really given a name for this concept in yeah. here. It's not an avatar specific power. It is a spiritual power. And what I found even more interesting is how many other characters are tied with this invisible thread to mm -hmm. Aang and the, the crew like Zuko definitely is. Zuko this whole time has been since he's kind of given up chasing the avatar. His adventure, his story, his journey has been parallel to Aang's in terms of geographical location. He is in mm -hmm. the same city as the Avatar right now and doesn't even know it. Like, it's wild. Yeah, it is wild. And taking it to a real world example, we are all connected with invisible bonds, too, mm -hmm. through our relationships with each other, our extended relationships. We impact and influence each other's lives every day. Yeah, for sure. Appa flies through the night and arrives in Ba Sing Se when the city is sleeping. 
Almost immediately, he hears what he thinks is Aang's bison whistle. He follows the sound to a dark alley, but finds not Aang, but Long Fang instead. The leader of the Dai Li holds a similar whistle, and it's the one that Appa was hearing the whole time. <gasps> yeah, what really kills me is it cuts to Aang's bison whistle, which yeah. is lying on the ground yes. next to his sleeping form, and yeah. it's like, no, it's a trap! <laughs> Before the bison can respond, the earthbender flips the street over, swallowing them both underground. He's so evil. There was something like super eerie and creepy about that. Like, okay, first of all, they knew he was coming. The Dai Li agents were like, here we go. The Dai Li agents have people on the watch for Appa, Mm -hmm. but not Team Avatar. Mm -mm. Like, what the heck? Mm -mm. So the Dai Li see him coming alert Long Fang, who has been waiting for this. He has a whistle ready to go and lays the trap and Appa falls right into it. Mm -hmm. Headcanon time. Yeah. He knows of the whistle because of the events in Tales of Ba Sing Se. I think so too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that there was a Dai Li agent that was like spying or something and saw that he had a whistle that did this thing and it attracted not the sky bison that it's carved to look like, but every single animal. So he was like, okay, cool. So I know how to make this. They probably have that. Like, I think they said this is the last sky bison whistle, but that's probably because they just turned it into just a regular, like dog whistle for a real world example. I thought that was super cool and evil. Totally evil and and conniving. (laughs) Absolutely. To also tie it back to the tales of Ba Sing Se, we see Appa make the footprint in the dirt that the pygmy pumas bring Momo to at the end of his tale. Yeah. I was just like, oh, when he did that. So I I really enjoy when shows do this, when they like show you something and they backtrack and they show you how it happened. I hate Mm -hmm. when it's overused. Like a lot of uh, the like it's, it's a trope, right? Where it's like, go to the b- end of the adventure, then we're going to go to the beginning and show you how you got there. But like, it's so well developed in this series where it's like, OK, cool. Like you see something as visually distinct as Appa's footprint and you use that as a very meaningful emotional connection from one episode. And then you show me how it happened and how close everyone really is to one another. Yes. It's just like, it was very masterfully done. I appreciated it. Yeah. Oh man, me too. But that is the end of our tearjerker episode. So I think it's, it's pretty safe to say that Appa is our MVP, right? It's certainly not (laughs) the freaking circus master (laughs) or the trainer, or you know what? Guru Patik. Guru Patik might be up there for me. Yeah. Well, there are two of us and there are two MVP contenders. Okay. So so. you say one and I'll say the other just to have it balanced out. Yes. All right. So, oh, wait, it's my turn. I go first. Uh, So officially, Greg, who is your MVP out of our two options? I think it's honestly Guru Patik. As much as I love Appa, I think Guru Patik set everything in motion once again Mm -hmm. there's a disconnect from appa when he gave up looking for ang and with the help of guru patik he kind of like got back on that trail and got some hope and got some because you know appa lost hope as well not just ang like that was very very parallel loss of hope going on between the two of them which makes them just even more connected in my mind and guru patik saw this he said all right cool this is where you need to go unfortunately lex luther i mean long fang (laughs) It's very conniving and very evil and very good at what he does. 
So he managed to interrupt the reunion for now. But yeah. it's Guru Patik. Like he's such a positive force in this very um, negative emotion filled episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What about you? As if I didn't know. <laughs> My MVP is Appa, mm. obviously, because this is his episode. And I mean, we we already loved Appa, but this episode gave us even more reasons to love him. Yeah. Just how his connection with Aang is so deep and so meaningful that he spends, he goes, you know, the phrase to the moon and back. Yeah. Like he goes to the moon and back, not literally, but kind of across the world in order to find his best friend again. And he goes through so much. And so just his persevering nature, even though for a time he does get really disheartened and downtrodden, he ultimately also the fact that even after everything he went through, even though he was experiencing fear, he was still filled with love. Yeah. You said to the moon and back, but what does Princess Yue need with Appa? She can already fly. (laughs) (laughs) that's so good well done thank you thank you you. (laughs) what about our moral of the story um moral of the story it's kind of not negative but i don't know it's kind of a downer and i think it's appreciate what you have because you never know when it could be taken away oh yeah that is kind of a downer but it's also really real yeah Especially in our world where everything is so fast paced and in a lot of ways, her society is designed for the more structure, like more, 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 more of everything. Yeah. We tend to forget what we do have. We're always looking to the thing that we want next. And so, yeah, sometimes you don't realize what things mean to you until you lose them. Yeah. And so being grateful for what you have, that's a great lesson. What about you? I would also say, remember that everything is connected. Because I think going along with your moral, remembering how we are one people, one world, everything is connected, everything influences everything else. It's a good reminder to remember to be kind whenever you can and be understanding and accepting and understand that some people are going through some stuff. Sometimes you don't know. Maybe someone got captured and was forced to fly through flaming hoops in the circus. You never know. know. You never know. You, you never know. Yeah. I, I joke, but I'm also being serious <laughs> yeah, that yeah. you just, you never know what people are going through. So remembering that everyone is connected, you have a direct impact on other people's lives is just a good reminder. Yeah, for sure. And on that bittersweet note, this is all the time we have for today's episode. Yeah. Thank you for keeping us company during this very emotional episode. Thankfully, from here, we're going out of the emotion zone and into the action zone. Good. So... We're going to get a break for a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if I can handle any more emotions right now. <laughs> After the tales of Ba Sing Se and Opus Lost Days, like I'm kind of emotionally spent. Yeah, so yeah. I need a change of pace. Yes. If you want to share your favorite parts of this episode or any other takeaways that we didn't discuss today, you can write us an email at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at podcast avatar. And if you're really enjoying the podcast and want to support us more, you can always leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Pledge to us on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash avatarthepodcast. You can also just tell your friends, let them know that we are working through the world of Avatar and would love them to join us. Yeah, there's plenty of room on this ferry for everyone. And we all eat like kings. (laughs) And queens and royalty. Everyone gets their own roasted 
whatever it is. I almost said everyone gets their roasted chicken, but then I remembered like Ang's a vegetarian and yes. there are legitimately vegetarians and vegans who listen to us. Yes, that's true. So everyone gets their roasted chicken or roasted tofu chicken. Roasted thing of choice. Yes. Roasted thing of choice. Roasted veggies. Yeah, Those are good too. They're great. Some peppers. Oof. Oh yeah. yeah. Peppers and onions. Yeah. All right. And as always, if you're caught up listening to us, and want to find us more on the internet or me more specifically you can find me at booster greg on twitter and over twitch.tv slash booster greg as well basically i know this is like kind of like my tagline at this point but you type in booster greg in google and you find it it's probably me so go say hi and if it's not me let me know because they're jerks imposter imposter i did find an imposter booster greg on twitch <gasps> did yeah. you yeah i reported them immediately they stole my <laughs> assets wait seriously yeah yeah, they used my uh, old profile picture and my old banner. Weird. Yeah. Who is that? Is that is that your jet? I don't know, but it made me feel pretty famous. I'll, I'll, like someone <laughs> wanted to do that. So nice. <laughs> wow. Well, you can find me over on the interwebs at Acorn Bandit and also on Joysons.com. That's mm-hmm. J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com. That is where you can check out our official Avatar, the podcast, Enamel Pins, Mm -hmm. featuring our dear fluffy love of a bison, Appa, Mm -hmm. and also our favorite earthbender, Toph. Yes, the blind bandit herself. Designed by our very own Booster Greg. By me. It was (laughs) this guy over here. This is me, a very fancy designer, pin designer to the stars. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up next time. The Rehabilitation of Jet. And the crossroads of Zuko's destiny. All this and more next time on Avatar, Avatar the, the podcast. podcast. Avatar the podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.